0: Are you ready to travel the multiverse? If so, then hold on to your dice as we delve into races of the multiverse. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin.
1: I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Uh, We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure.
0: I am super excited for our main topic today. We are covering the Unearthed Arcana 2021 Travelers of the Multiverse. In my opinion, is Spelljammer on the way? Oh, God, I really, really, really hope so. Um... It was one of my favorite uh settings. Um and there's a lot of uh spell jammer feel in this uh supplement. So I'm really excited. Uh have you guys when you guys looked through this, did it um what did you think about this Unearthed Arc- Arcana and its contents of races?
2: Well it's definitely nice to have a few of these races back, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> uh, look like those! it reminds me of that movie, uh Hitchiker,
1: uh Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, that that's a good one yes but there's another one where it's like uh you put on glasses and you can see that normal people are actually aliens and like they they, they live yes like they got the billboards that say obey and consume
0: some of the different things i'm gonna go ahead and pull up on the screen the uh the unearthed arcana as we kind of uh scroll through it um i really enjoy uh this content. First of all, we get a myriad of new races from Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford. Um the first one we're gonna talk about is the Astral Elf. Um this okay. I think well, they, they actually the sense
2: that they're rehashing old editions stuff, but yeah, yeah. so
0: so new for five E but old material, right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh Ian, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Astral Elves? Well the Astral Elves a are a group of elves who want to go venture ventured onto the Astral plane. They live in the Silver Void, which has imbued their souls with a spark of divine light, which manifests as a sorry gleam in their eyes, because nothing ages in the Astral Plane. The Astral Elves live for thousands of years, and their longevity gives them an unusual perspective on time. They yes. get dark vision as usual. They ancestry, keen senses, trance, like basically any other elf does, but they also gain astral fire, which allows them to cast... Which allows them to choose to cast Dancing Lights, Light, or Sacred Flame, okay. using Int, Wisdom, or Charisma for the spellcasting ability score for those that matters. First I think it's kind of weird that they have Dark Vision and get Light Cantrips, because they won't need it, but a and, <laughs> <laughs> and when they succeed on the death save, they regain a the number of hit points equal to the Proficiency Bonus plus their Intelligence, Wisdom, or con mod, but they can't use it until a long rest. So basically, it's like what the... Uh, Kind of what the orcs do, half orcs do, but on crack, kind of.
0: Yeah, so. that that radiant soul feature is is really unique because I haven't seen a lot of features that focus on the death save aspect. Yep. Um, of the 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 game much less. Um, if you succeed, automatically give you hit points. Yep. Um, so uh, I envision in my mind like the character glowing in their eyes, you know, their whole body glowing in this energy, and they just slowly rising up like a, like a one of those old uh, cartoons, right? <laughs> From their back yeah, onto the. It's their, like when their... they think
1: Goku's about to fail, and then he's just like, "No!" Yep.
2: And whenever they finish a long rest using trance, they can gain two proficiencies of a what, we- either weapon or tools of their choice.
0: So. That is so cool, especially if you – it really captures that long-lived thing where, okay, I want to know how to do this. So after I take a long rest, I'll access my ancient memories and and pull out the proficiency that I need, which is really cool. Um, Overall, this one kind of uh, I really, really enjoyed. Um, They still have a limit on their age, which is 750 years old, which I wasn't – I thought it was kind of a surprise because I felt like stuff that's on the astral plane, does it still age normally?
2: Which is what. And they say in the Flare Text they live, what, thousands of years? So. Yeah, so that was kind of con.
0: Uh, but maybe the soul is taking new forms, I guess. Um, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on the astral elf? No, I do not. Okay. Uh, those of you in the audience, if you have any questions in regards to these races, please let us know. Um, Brandon, you want to tell us about the, uh, this is one of auto my favorites, gnome. the autonome? <laughs> <laughs> auto autonome. Autonomes are mechanical beings built
1: by rock gnomes and their image, usually with a particular <laughs> purpose in mind. Uh, for example, a gnome might build an autonome to be a steadfast colleague or a loyal companion. Sometimes because of a malfunction <laughs> <laughs> or a unique circumstance, an autonome becomes separated from its creator and strikes out on its own. That's like losing grip with AI. <laughs> that's <laughs> very traits uh, construct instead of humanoid. Uh, armored casing. You are encased in thin metal or some other durable metal. While you aren't wearing armor, your base armor class is 13 plus your dex mod. Which that's, uh, that's awesome. Versus, that's
0: versus the 10 plus your dex mod, right? All right. Yep. That yes. that pretty much puts it at the same level as. Uh... Mage armor, doesn't it? I believe it does.
1: Huh. I like that. Uh, built for success, you can add <laughs> a D4 to one attack roll. Ability check or saving throw you make, and you can do so after seeing the D20, but before the effects of the roll is resolved.
0: So. Oh, that is cool. really cool. So that's... uh. <laughs> How they can use that uh, a number of times equal to the proficiency bonus. I've been seeing more and so, more of that where they're attack, they're, they're, the, the number of times you can use something isn't based on your ability modifier and instead is your proficiency bonus, which honestly I like a lot better because then it's not tied to a specific stat, which is great for multi-classing or changing up your builds a little bit. And it um, scales as you level up. Yep. So eventually, you do actually get more than what you would get. It just takes a little longer to get there, which is pretty cool. But this effect, in and of itself, is pretty dope. This is like a a, a minor like bardic inspiration, right? Or a minor lucky feature. The lucky feat, right? Somewhat. Add it to the attack roll, ability check, or saving throw you make. I love it. Is that uh, there's mechanical nature?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you have resistance to poison damage and immunity to disease. Not too surprised. I mean, you're mechanical. And you have advantage on saving throws against being paralyzed or poisoned. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe.
0: That's awesome. Uh-huh. That's, like, that's similar to so the, it's uh, just like a, the Warforged, uh, right? Warforged. Yep.
1: Uh, Sentry's Rest. Same
0: when thing, When you too. take a
1: long rest, you spend at least six hours in an inactive, motionless state instead of sleeping. So. In this state, you appear inert, but you aren't unconscious. Uh, specialized Designed. You gain two tool proficiencies of your choice. Then you got a tr- true life. Now this one's cool. If the mending spell is cast on you, you can expend a hit die, roll it, and regain a number of hit points equal to the roll plus your constitutional modifier minimum of one hit point. Uh, in addition, your creator designed you to benefit from common spells that preserve life but that normally don't affect constructs. So your wounds, healing word, and spare the dying.
0: So let's just take a moment to appreciate true life. Uh, because mending is a cantrip. So they created a cantrip spell or they they took the cantrip and allowed its use, limited its use as a healing spell by consuming a hit die, which is very much something 4th edition did a lot of. Yep. And allows you to use a cantrip to heal without making it broken and overpowered, which I think is fantastic. So what do you guys uh think of this? I think it's admitting me a warforged. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh that's funny. Um, what do you think about the mechanics?
2: I think it's interesting and it can be pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I think uh there's this reminds me of the gnomes in, in World of Warcraft, right? Uh where you can get the little you got the little <laughs> mechanical gnomes running around. Um, I think it fits really good, not only as flavor, but um, the the new inclusion oh, wow. of this race or lineage is it a race or a, it's a race, right? Uh, yeah. Or a lineage? I forget the, the difference, but um, it allows you to basically use your mending can trip that fits flavor wise, but also doesn't restrict you from being. Uh, but be- see, there's some benefits that come with a con with the construct though. There's certain abilities that won't uh, uh, in magics that won't affect an auto gnome that would affect other things like uh charm person, right? That's yeah. a humanoid, isn't it? So yep. there's a lot more benefits to being an auto gnome than they're almost more than meets the eye.
2: But <laughs> yeah. well, there are some spells that do more damage to con- cantrips too, so Constructs.
0: That's wow. true. Okay. To constructs. Yep. So there's a lot here, and I, th- honestly, I feel like they might have gave this a little too much. That's my opinion. Um, I think they gave it a little too much um, because of the uh, versatility of it being a construct. Um, but that's just Justin's opinion. Uh, so next, we're gonna talk about the GIF. <laughs> I love the GIF. There are they're basically giant hippo like creatures. They're yep. <laughs> and they usually carry guns and shit. Some of them have, you know, smooth skin while others are short bristles on their face, very much the the little, you know, prickly things that hippos have. Um and, you know, as beings of impressive size and uh an unforgettable appearance, GIF are noticed wherever they go. Um that's something that's really interesting to me because uh from a storytelling uh perspective as a uh dm i can have a lot of fun with that because if it's abnormal to have a giant hippo walking around the npcs in the world should be should be uh you know walking or or reacting in that way Uh, what's really cool is storytelling is a rich tradition among the gif and it's not uncommon to see the gif recounting their past exploits to enrapture a crowd now the idea of a hippo person bard just sounds great, and using their 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 massive uh, jaw with a bunch of instruments like a bagpipe, and then like squeezing on their cheeks, just is something I envisioned when I was uh, imagining them telling story uh, storytelling. That's fun. <laughs> Um, they are humanoid. They are medium size. I would really wish we have small size. I wish they would give us large size races. I really do. Um, I think the the Loxodon and the GIF would be really great large races, right? Maybe reduce their speed or something. Or the uh, it does have a what's that? Or Goliath, for that matter. Yeah, Goliath should also be. They're they're medium t- too.
2: Or in centaurs, <laughs> <laughs>
0: they have. Uh, uh, speed of 30 feet. They also have a swim speed equal to their uh, walking speed, which is good. Yep. Um, they also have an, a damage dealer ability uh, called Hippopotamus. In a, uh, <laughs> like a Hippopotamus in a crystal, sh- uh, crystal wear shop, you are naturally adept at damaging things. Like is- <laughs> I can envision that. I'm thinking uh, I've been doing a lot of Wheel of Time and Loyal being inside of a small shop and bumping into everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you roll a one on a damage die for a melee attack, you can re-roll the die and use the new roll. Or uh, you can do so no more than once per turn. That's really cool. Because uh, it's while it's not quite as powerful as like the Great Weapon Master, being able to do that on any melee attack is actually pretty cool. And in my mind, I'm imagining like a... Uh, um, Any character that has, like, a a smaller die, like a D4 with a dagger or something, where that would come up pretty often would be kind of nice. Um, And then, of course, you have Hippo Build, which gives you advantage on strength-based checks and strength saving throws. This is really cool because one of my favorite parts about being a Barbarian is advantage on strength ability checks, specifically athletics for grapple. The Hippo Build automatically grants you that and doubles your... Uh, you count as one size uh, larger for carrying capacity, pushback, drag, and lift. Um, so, to me, this immediately would be my go to grappler if I was to play a grappler that wasn't, let's say, a barbarian. Um, what do you guys uh, think about this?
2: This looks like it can be a fun class, especially if you're a melee character of some kind. Yeah. And you notice
0: it's got a lot le- less features than the Autono. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah, because is, it has so many features that are related to combat? Could be. I think that's i I think that's their balancing trait. I think. Brandon, what do you think?
1: I, th- I think that is uh, their balancing trait because uh, getting the advantage on strength based uh, ability checks and strength saving throws just because of your race. Yeah, it's actually kind of
0: and rolling damage. A big die. Deal. So I think because we see and that with once. the uh, with the auto gnome here. When we do the, look at the autonome, most of its feature are, uh, there's only one feature here that's directly related to combat, right? Which is the built for success, right? Which you can increase, you roll this extra die. But you got all this other stuff that's role play or uh, lore based or, or non-combat related. So I think they're going that way where non-combat features, you get more of them. But uh, obviously damage is obviously at the top here. Uh Ian, would you like to tell us about the. I don't know how to say that. Is it the
2: Hadozi? Hadozi? Your guess as is good. As like,
0: mine. is what I thought.
2: <laughs> I mean, these guys are basically a cross between monkeys and flying squirrels, is what it comes down to. They're people with <laughs> uh, semi features that long ago adapted to among the trees of their homeworld. They're a natural clarence with his feet as dexterous as their hands, even to the event of having opposable thumbs. And they have memories of skin loosely hanging from arms and legs. Which, uh, when stretched taut, allows them to glide. They you can choose to be yeah, small you know, or medium. The
1: flying, mon- flying monkey yep. squirrels.
2: <laughs> Climbing speed equal to walk speed. You can u- use an object action as a bonus action. And as a part of the glide, if you're not incapacitated wearing heavy armor, you can extend your skin membranes and glide. When you do so, you can do the following aerial maneuvers. When you fall, you can move up to five feet horizontally for every one foot you descend. And when you take damage from a fall, you can use your reaction to reduce the fall damage to zero. Dude. That's kind of fun. We can officially play as uh, uh, Zoro Norono
0: now, right? Because that implies that you can do stuff with your feet, right? That's what that dexterous feet is. It says use object interaction. So that means no attacks, huh? Yep. Oh, that's a shame. That is a real shame. But you can drink a potion. <laughs> you can. Wait, is that fall under? That falls under use an object, doesn't it? Yeah. Ooh, that's nice. You can throw cow traps, throw throw uh, uh, drink potions, apply poisons. Uh, you can do a lot with that. I really yep. like that. That's a really cool new trait. Also, flying monkey squirrels, Brandon, really? <laughs> I mean, they are. It's, that's exactly what they are. Uh, Mitchell has a really good point here. He says, variant human is hard to beat. Races with flight are one of the few ways to do it. Let's make note that this isn't flight, it's just glide, right? Does it, evolve in- it doesn't evolve into flight at any point, I don't think.
2: Nope. Doesn't look like it. And as, as, so... your re- as your reaction, you don't take fall damage, which is nice. So, yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure, for sure. Um, what do you guys think about this flying mo- <laughs> monkey squirrel? <laughs> and was something I you would run, you think it's balanced to,
1: to drop off a cliff and you, you see your 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 uh subject below you and you use your object action as a bonus action to poison your blade
0: and you assassinate them from the air. Oh my god, because you can flying squirrel assassins? <gasps> Dude! What if you reflavor your dagger is like
2: sharpened nuts? Okay. I do also want to point out that you know how it says for every one foot you fall, you can fly up to five feet? Yeah. I want to point out that one round, you can fall up to 500 feet.
0: So they basically have wingsuits on, is what I'm
2: hearing. No, no uh, yeah. I'm saying that they can... As written, if I'm reading this correctly? <laughs> can... When you fall,
0: you can move up to five feet horizontally for every one foot. So you could... Right, you can foot. fall 500 feet
2: for every six seconds in D&D. So you could
0: go 100, uh, 1,500 1, 1, feet?
2: Whatever no. the mask comes out to.
0: <laughs> no, that's not right. So for every five feet you fall, you can go... No, no, oh, no, no, it's no. every, For every one, foot. one
2: foot you fall, you can move five feet horizontally. Oh, jeez. that's powerful. So that's that's
1: five hundred times five. It's fifteen hundred.
0: So no,
1: no that's, not.
2: that's
0: not right. That's 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 three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like I said, just looking up quickly, you can fall five hundred feet in six seconds per round. Yeah, that,
0: that oh can, my god, that can get you some distance.
1: If Fairy blood has a better one.
0: Uh, you could drop bombs. Dude, bombs in the shape of cocon- in and uh, shape of nuts. So, anyways, let's uh, uh Brainon, you want to tell us about the plasmoid? The plasmoid. This is awesome. Oh jeez,
1: plasmoids are am- amorphous amorphous beings with no typical shape. In the presence of other folk, they are often adopt. They often adopt a similar form, but there's a little chance of mistaking a plasmoid for anything else. They consume food by osmosis. Uh, the way an amoeba does and excrete waste through tiny pores. They breathe by absorbing oxygen through another set of pores and their limbs are strong and flexible enough to grasp and manipulate weapons and tools.
2: Yeah. That's
1: awesome! Okay, so, so it's a sentient amoeba? Much.
0: It's an ooze! Uh, <laughs> it's a ooze! You get to be an ooze! Tr-traits.
1: Traits. Traits. You're, you're an ooze. How cool is that? That's awesome. Uh, You get to choose to be small or medium. Your speed is still 30 feet. Amorphous, dark vision, and hold breath. Uh, Natural resilience. You have resistance to acid and poison damage. That's too. That makes sense. And you have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned. (laughs) My My next
0: favorite part is next
1: shape self if you are not incapacitated you can reshape your body to give yourself a head one or two arms one or two legs and makeshift hands and feet or you can revert to a limbless blob no action required as a bonus action <coughs> you can extrude a pseudopod that is up to six inches wide and ten <laughs> ten feet long but it's gonna love this or Reabsorb it into your body. You can use this pseudopod to manipulate an object, open an unlocked door or container, stow or retrieve an item from an open container, or pour out the contents of a container. The pseudopod can't attack, <laughs> activate magic items, or carry more than ten pounds. Is that a dick joke? Yes. That's a that's a severe dick joke. That's a
0: dick joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just have him walking around with this
2: thing sticking out and knocking shit. Over. <laughs> uh. And on, on another note, I don't see any particular benefit, per se, written down for about being a blob. Like, I would think you uh, could at least force your way into, like, uh, small cracks or crevasses, but, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, Mitchell Adams is saying, so you can't push a button with a pseudopod. Yes, you can. You can use it to manipulate an object, unlock a door, open a container, stow an item. You just can't basically attack with it. Yep. or activate magic items or carry more than 10 pounds. <laughs> I'm not alone in thinking that was uh, flavored as a dick. Okay, so the reason I love this, so, um, the... <laughs> I want to just be able to crawl up on top of people and, like, cover them, cover their head and try to suffocate them. Uh, I can hold my breath for an hour, can you? <laughs> Oh, I also love the idea of having a, uh, and this came up in one of the TikTok videos I did. Somebody mentioned using the ooze feature to explain as a sorcerer how you got your power by, you know, attaching to people and absorbing parts of them or something, uh, which could be really cool of, uh, what do you guys think about this from a, a flavor perspective?
2: That could be fun. more options, and we saw like uh, a blob character in um the Orville too. So <laughs> for sure. All
1: right, it said you can't look like someone specifically, but yeah. take a feature. you like use use bandages and and a cloak and hood to hide yeah. all that, so you look like you might be a real person. I right. can they speak like common, or do you have to sit there going? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I would assume. Uh, that you can they speak whatever language you choose, uh, but it doesn't actually say, does it? <laughs> so good luck, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, none of these actually say that they get a language. I think that's probably just understood. I think there's more to these, yeah. but this is just what they're providing in the unearthed arcana. Um, uh, <laughs> I do think the uh, thing from a mechanical standpoint, there's a lot to be a uh, fun to be had here if you like to. Uh, role play a lot because um, an ooze can, it, you literally could be a rogue ooze who takes on the form of like a dessert to spy on people. <laughs> like, is am I the only one that's thought about that? Like, killer jello, man. I mean, the gelatinous cube has been doing it for 20 plus years. <coughs> I finally get to do it. And just a disguise kit to look like, you know, a dessert is just and then maybe, maybe one of your pals is picking it up and carrying you around your, your dessert, sir. Um, it's a little, uh, you might want to wait for it to warm up before you take a bite. <laughs> uh, Mitch says just a yes, back. Tra- Go
1: ahead. What's it say? Y- yeah. It was,
0: if you're going to do a, uh, flag
1: squirrel race, we should probably do a moose race. It's a reference to Rockin' and Bowling. Brock
0: and Bowling. Absolutely. <laughs> good old, good old, good old days, man. Back when, uh, TV was terrible. Do, uh,
1: Don't half-ass it, go full-ass. All right, (laughs) we're running out of time. Full-ass, fuck my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about the three cream. Uh, they are very much insectoid creatures. First thing I thought of Scyther uh, when I was like, you get a pair of arms. I'm like, no, I want a swords. I don't It's a pair of swords. Uh, their bodies are encased in a protective, you know, chitin, and they can alter their colorations of the carapace to blend in. So once again, I'm totally getting awesome rogue vibes. Like when you hide, you are like camouflaging yourself. Yep. And just, like, stopping in front of something and taking on kind of its shape. Uh, I really think that these are really cool because they do have, uh, they speak by clacking their mandibles and waving antenna and indicating to other three cream that, you know, they are thinking and feeling something specific. Uh, I think, is there, this is the first race that's a monstrosity, if I'm not mistaken. Are there any other monstrosity races? I don't
2: recall one way or another, but yeah, I remember first uh, seeing these things in the dark sun setting, so...
0: Yeah. um, And, so, uh, and get
2: a few other fun features.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the fact that uh, the, a couple of these races get to choose between being small or medium. I really like that. That's very versatile, um, and it's certainly something that should be more uh, of an option. Because, you know, people can range from any, you know, yep. size, it, right? It depends. The oh, yeah. the speed, uh, your walking speed. Man, I have almost walked on people at the store. So I know that people can be, a, uh, creatures can be of a variety size. sizes. Yeah, I think that's more your perception uh, score
2: than a... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the... So you get a traditional 30 walking speed chameleon carapace. When you aren't wearing armor, you get a base armor class of 13 plus your decks, which is cool. As an action, you can change color of your carapace to match the color and texture of your surroundings, giving you advantage on dexterity stealth checks made to hide in those surroundings. Once again, this has got sounds like an awesome uh rogue or gloom stalker build, right? They have dark vision. Their dark vision's out to sixty feet. Isn't the normal is the normal sixty feet or is it thirty feet? Sixty. It is 60. Okay. I six. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the fact it has extra arms. It has secondary arms. You have two slightly smaller secondary arms below your primary pair of arms. The secondary arms function like your primary arms with the fo- following exceptions. You can use a secondary arm to wield a weapon that has the light property, but you can't use a secondary arm to wield other kinds of weapons and you can't wield a shield with your secondary arm. Let's take a moment to breathe that in. You guys. You literally can carry four blades. Yep. That is awesome. So long as they mat they follow the light oh, property on the bottom oh, two. Two blades and light t- two blades and two light crossbows. Yeah. Two hand crossbows. <gasps> One hand crossbow and the other hand can reload it. We just we just <laughs> we just solved the loading issue right here. Yeah. Um let's also talk about sleepless revitalization. Um Do you, uh, you do not require sleep and can choose to remain conscious during long rest. That's awesome. Though you must still refrain from strenuous activity to, uh, to, to gain the benefit. Um, this sounds awesome, especially as like a a spellcaster, like a wizard who you can say, um, my brain is a little slower. So I got to spend all this extra time, uh, (laughs) uh, going through and, uh, studying for my homework or my, my memorization. Um, then they have three crane uh, tele- telepathy, which you have magical ability to communicate mentally with any other uh, number of willing creatures you could see within 120 feet. That is huge. That is yep. such a long way for not being a spell. Uh, a contact creature doesn't need to share a language with you. That's another huge bonus, but it must be able to understand at least language. So it's not, you know, dumb, your telepathic link to a creature is broken. If you and a, the creature move more than 120 feet apart, obviously, um, or if you are incapacitated, uh, incapacitated or either you mentally break it. So this is really fun, man. You're playing you can play like the roguish scyther character with this bad boy. Advantage on stealth. Wielding four blades um and just turning into a frickin' uh blender. What do you guys think?
2: <laughs> four funny. wands a firewall. Really dangerous.
0: A blender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm c i am i am I am concerned about the well, I, it doesn't necessarily mean you can attack extra, though. No. Because you're not altering. You're
2: just carrying extra stuff.
0: Although, so because, I
2: say... Go ahead. Although... <laughs> oh, it kind of does, like, a, for, at least for this race, uh, solve the issue when it comes to throwing daggers. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Not
0: only that, but also the reloading thing, too. So there, there is some really good yep. um, good ways to what to about do What
1: about... Grappling with larger
0: arms and poisoning with the smaller arms. Yep. <gasps> Hell yeah. Grapple with the two big ones. Use the little ones to poison a dagger and shiv them. Yeah. I'm down. I'm telling you, this has got Master Rogue written all over it. I want I, I to play smart. one of these really, really hardcore, man. There's so much you can do with these secondary arms. There's an option. That's really, really cool. I think that's all that's in, that in this annoying. document. Yep. So, overall, what do your guys' think, and when are we getting Spelljammer?
2: Who knows? I'm guessing sometime this year, but we'll have to see when it's all said and done. Um,
0: I guess I should explain what Spelljammer is. Um, If you don't know, Spelljammer is a campaign setting that was for advanced a- uh, D&D, AD&D, uh, which features fantastic outer space environments. Um. That to me just sounds awesome, and with us going into the the multiverse, that just makes sense. I mean, the the Nautilus machines that the Illithid use are basically spaceships that can travel, you know, different uh, worlds. So um, I am super excited. Ooh, what did that just say? You can you can actually grapple a different person with each arm your character has. Oh, dude, that's awesome. So you you could in theory grapple four characters. Because it doesn't say you can't. Well, I, I think a DM would argue, well, you can only wield light weapons, so how are you going to grapple? But you can still grapple with the two and, and wield and stab with the other ones, I suppose. Right. Um, and the fact that it can't wield a, a secondary arm is or secondary, a secondary shield, it's kind of weird, but that's just me. I don't know. So I'm really excited. Anybody that's watched our Plane Shifter games knows that we have been delving into the interdimensional realm shifting and stuff uh, on our own games. Um, so, really, uh, uh, would you all have to be within reach, though? Uh, I would assume. I mean, that's how grapple works, right? Grapple two orcs, two goblins. I would agree with that. I think you could get a get away with grappling two small creatures with those arms. At least I would allow it. But uh, I can see some DMs giving some restrictions there. Yeah. All righty. So... Is there anything else overall that uh, we want to touch on for the travelers of the multiverse? Any speculations? Because I'm pretty sure that the, 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 the hippo people are from Spelljammer, aren't they?
2: Yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure that, that at a glance, these look pretty good. I will not be, be surprised if there's some rebalancing here and there because yeah. some of these get way more stuff than others. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that definitely and once again i think that that's something they're experimenting with that you know if you want to play a race that has mostly role play features you're going to want a lot of them to offset the fact that you're not being able to you know bitch slap somebody extra hard <laughs> as a hippo you know <laughs> uh do we talk about gif or are those hippos uh the they're not called gif they're called uh
2: Uh, G-I-F-F
0: GIF G-I-F-F Not GIF GIF Yankee And GIF Zerat. Graphics
1: Graphics interface Format
0: (laughs) All Alright I think that'll Do it for our main topic Um, I'm really excited To see where this all goes I want to revisit Dark Sun I don't know about Anybody else I want to visit I want to do Spelljammer I want it all I want it all Got a mold right. Let me tell you guys about the awesome news. After 200 pages and in non-stop writing, Capes and Crooks, a 5th edition superhero RPG, is going to be available in PDF form on our site at CritAcademy.com and on DriveThruRPG on January 15th. I am super excited for this. It was so much work and uh exhausting (laughs) so i am very excited for this project to come out hopefully um those that have witnessed it and and have seen uh some of the games that we've played and everything uh will consider picking it up um it was 200 what is it over 200 pages right it's a lot a (laughs) a lot of work So, uh, hopefully everyone will like it, and I look forward to seeing it just fly off the digital proverbial shelf. Okay, so, um, it is worth noting that we did try to kickstart this, and it didn't get funded. But I was so confident then in its popularity that it was going to be worth the massive amount of time that I had to sink into it. Um, But I think that we, and and you got to playtest it, Ian. What were your overall thoughts of this Capes and Crooks game?
2: Had quite a bit of fun. It seems like everybody else who uh, played it got a kick out of it, so.
0: Yeah. One of if you don't know, the biggest dip thing that we did different is we completely reorganized and redeveloped the way the class creation process goes. Yep. Um, because you basically can be or build anything, uh, as far as I can tell right now, with the options that we've got. Or, or at least some variation of it, um, without getting sued.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs.
2: Okay, first up, we got our character concept, up, <laughs> Burgle ba- Battlestone, who is a male gnome. He is an imposing man with a heavy stainless steel, steel prosthetic left hand. He wears a blue-collared shirt and black pants. He accessorizes with a white scarf around the waist and a strap down across his shirt. He keeps his long brown hair kept up in a rat tail and he wears an eye patch. Now is, I'm just curious—is he wearing an eye patches for kicks, or is he actually missing an eye? Because giving the fact he's missing a hand, that doesn't seem to be. Uh, well, it's
0: up to the player or the DM, I'd imagine.
2: Yep. personally wise he's a very happy person with lots of energy. To put it simply, <laughs> he's a very lovable idiot. <laughs> he dislikes loud, distracting noises, but is overall ho- hospitable. His biggest love is that of knowledge, and has such. And as such, will purchase any books or pay to listen to tales that travelers might have. And, history-wise, he was always a brilliant, if unscrupulous, mind. He has some (laughs) formal music training and achieved some minor success. He is uh, also untrained and undisciplined, which kind of makes him dangerous. Just get definitely has a short fuse, by the sounds of it, maybe. (laughs) And, And he wants to have a good time and be beloved. And he is not mentally stable and does not behave rationally. (laughs)
0: Yep. <laughs> checks out. Um, so this is definitely a fun character. I like I, I because of his minor success, um, and his untrained. I envision that he isn't able to like maintain his equipment, so he'll be like playing on an instrument, and a wire will snap and whack somebody in the face. <laughs> what do you think about this character? Either of you? I think you might have a lot of fun with it.
1: It sounds like uh, you're a liability to your party. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> liability is a really great uh way um to put it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Um I think that'll do it for our unearth or our uh character concept uh Burgle Bafflestone. Uh I want to take a moment uh here to <laughs> tell everyone that we've been experimenting with a new um game style called clash of classes we uh discussion that talked about 1v1 pvp and which class was stronger etc that really just took off in our community so thanks to everyone that was involved with that last thursday we ran our first Clash of classes, the character, the players determined what they were going to be. We gave some rules and they determined them independently and had to completely flesh them out before putting them against each other. And it was so much fun. Um, oh,
2: so much fun. It was fun.
0: Cla- it, it really, we, could, was we got so much amazing feedback. I was blown away. Uh, we had more uh, watchers of that than any of our other content. So we are super excited to uh, be doing more of them. So keep an eye out. If you have not seen it, um, I think the 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 producer over here has put a link somewhere for you to check it out. It's about an hour, uh, but it, we took it with our PVP way uh, in the direction of like WWE and WWF. Um, and it really was just a lot of fun. So uh, Ian, you were actually the DM. Did you go back and watch it? Yeah, I did. And what did you think? Because you couldn't hear most of what we were doing.
2: I couldn't hear anything you're saying at all, which is why you come going, hey, Ian? 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 <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I forgot about it's a Jekyll. Is it a Jekyll? It's a Jekyll. <laughs> what did you think about it? I, I definitely had a, a lot of fun, and hearing the commentary definitely added a lot more to it than what you had on the combat end, so.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what we wanted. So hopefully you'll go and check that out. Um, we got some really great uh, feedback. One of my favorite one, uh, Rick Stevens said, "Clash of Classes was straight fire." So with that, let's move on to our unearth uh, our, our monster variant today. Uh, today we are talking about the Nix Pinar. In order to build this uh, creature, you're going to start with the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, stat block. Now the 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 pixnar is a really interesting monster. Um, it is totally created by me from when we were on the prepper die show. It's basically a giant monstrosity that just, just destroys shit. Um, but we're gonna lose some features. We're gonna lose the tail, the bite. Uh, will become a slam so it'll do bludgeoning damage instead of uh, piercing and we're going to give it a couple new features tentacle which has a, a plus 10 to hit with a 15 foot reach oh yeah um and then has a chance one on a hit does grapple um locking a and restraining a character um and it has six tentacles which uh lash out about it so it can grapple multiple enemies <laughs> all at once. And then of course we're going to give it the fling ability because what good is it to have a monstrosity and monstrous creature grab people if he's not just going to toss them wildly into walls and trees and and acid pits and <laughs> shit, right? Knocking each other prone and smashing into other allies, it's just great stuff. Um and of course I always have to give reactions because I feel like either reactions or um legendary actions are necessary because monsters are just more fun when they do shit on other people's turns so we're going to give them fearsome roar uh when the creature when a creature hits the nyx pinar it can use its reaction to release a bone shaking roar um targets within 60 feet that can hear it must succeed a dc 15 wisdom saving throw or become frightened that happens anytime it can be hit so the players have to be careful. They gotta use spells to reinforce their ability to avoid, um, being you know frightened. And then we're also gonna give it flailing, fling. A creature, if a creature scores a critical hit on Nyx Pinar, it can use its reaction to take the fling action on its turn or on, as a reaction, basically launching people around as it gets its ass kicked. What do you guys think about this horrifying monster?
1: It sounds fun. I like the idea of picking people up and throwing them.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> what about you, Ian? Lots
1: of
2: grappling. All the grapplings.
1: Uh, how many tentacles do you say they had? Six. Six? Average party size.
0: <laughs> it's convenient, that number, huh? This is pretty much straight up uh, slam and, and, and tank and spank type fight, but you never know. I'd like the idea of putting this monster on like a high area, around cliffs. So there's a risk of being thrown off a cliff, which makes it that much more dangerous. So that'll do it for our monster, the Pinar, which I believe is a combination of Sanskrit words that means like multi arms or uh, beast uh, arm with beasts or some some I don't remember, but. That's pretty funny. Uh, Brandon, would you like to tell us about our uh, encounter of the podcast, which also comes from the adventure that I wrote on the Prepper Die uh, stream?
1: The Crystal Towers is the encounter created during Prepper Die show. Uh, shout out for having us on. Thanks, guys. That was a fun time. Yep. It was a blast. Sune Cardonel. Sune Cardonnel. Male elf alchemist, he seeks out a way to enter the Crystal Towers. Ancient tombs and scrolls indicate that the Crystal Towers of the Tundra Dwarves contain an ancient fluid that can be used to make elixirs that can bring eternal youth and is said to heal any wound. Sune, motives are uh, selfish. (laughs) He's selfish, that's his motive. Uh, has been unable to enter the Brilliant Towers due to a monstrous beast known as a Nixpinar Pinar uh, that stalks the icy lands that surround it. He seeks the aid of adventurers. The monster is too strong for the party, and they must retreat or die. With a bit of research on the area, they can learn that the Nixpinar Pinar was created for the Tundra Dwarves to ward off hostile armies from ages past. Rumor has it that the Crystal King held a powerful ice pick that was used to command the beast. When the dwarves were losing the battle with their sworn enemies, the Orkin, the Crystal King, commanded the beast to protect azure streams in the city. He passed his ice pick, Frostbringer, to his allies in Dryadelis? Dryadalus?
0: I don't know. Call it whatever you want. (laughs)
1: Dryadalus for safekeeping. Our heroes must venture into the warded and secluded Emerald Sea to find its leader and queen priestess Titania, the druid shapeshifter. The characters must convince the priestess that their cause is just worthy. Uh, just worthy enough to allow them to wield Frostbringer, and enter the city. Mm. Titania seeks to break the Emerald Sea from its conclusion. Their borders have been closed for thousands of years to outsiders. In order to do this, she needs to send an envoy into the world to open trades with their closest neighboring kingdom, the Norn. Seclusion. That's what I thought the word was. Uh, The Norn are giants among men, goliaths, and their lands... Border the Frigidlands, home of the Crystal Towers and the Emerald Sea. As warrior fishermen, they have a strong trade. Warrior fishermen.
0: What's wrong with that? That's
1: my bass. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. Huh. Their characters must convince them to open trade with the Emerald Sea. They are happy to, but require equivalent trade. The Emerald Sea has a rare sap that can be used as a potent glue for weapons and crafts. The Norn King... Good luck. Illithog. <laughs> Illithog. Rock Striker. <laughs> what? Oh
0: my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: can you just use like Steve Johnson or something? No.
0: Using more offered... names like Steve Johnson? No, get out of here with that.
1: Giggity. <laughs> can be offered this as a solution. But the characters must convince Titania to commit to allowing the Norn to farm some mighty oaks for harvest. Upon successive entry into the Crystal Towers, Tsune shares the full extent of his plans for the Azure Stream. He intends to build an alchemic factory to create and sell his, this valuable resource at exorbitant prices.
0: Oh yeah, this isn't, uh, representative of our, uh... Capitalist society at all. <laughs> what do you guys think?
1: I think is a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: he a little bit is. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to go off of it. A lot of um, hooks to uh, pull off of her other adventures, too.
0: Yeah, I wanted something that was more than just, there's a big monster, let's kill it. So we came up with this whole... Or I came up with this whole, you know, you got to get somebody else to help the person to get what you need to go do the thing. Um, all to find out that the guy that you that hired you is actually a douche, um, which is, you one. know, kind of my jam. So, <laughs> so all right, that'll do it uh, for pop our of
1: Fox Tacos. What? Uh, battle Axes for Bass.
0: From <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fox ta- oh, Tacos. I want tacos. Alright, that'll do I'll it for our Fox encounter ta- Crystal Towers. If you have not watched it, please consider checking out the Prepper Die Show where this all stems from, most of the stuff in this episode stems from images they provided that I wrote Yep. Uh, about. So, Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item, the Frostbringer?
2: Our magic item today is Frostbringer. It is a war pick, legendary, and requires attunement, but by a dwarf. When you hit with an attack using this magic war pick, the target takes an extra two six cold damage. In addition, while you hold this weapon, you are immune to fire damage. Yeah, yeah. In freezing temperatures, the blade sheds bright blue light in a thirty foot radius and dim light for an additional thirty feet. When you draw this weapon, you can extinguish all non magical flames within sixty feet of you. This property can be used no more than once per hour. As an action, you can speak to a weapon's command word. When you do, you can attempt to beguile a beast that you can see within 60 feet. The target must succeed on a DC 18 wisdom saving throw or suffer the effects of the Dominate Beast spell. This effect does not require concentration and lasts until dispelled or you cast it again on another creature. If you or creature are friendly to you are fighting it, it has advantage on the saving throw.
0: What do you guys think?
2: I mean, giving like a fire damage is like, kind of awesome.
1: Uh, I I think uh, Frostbringer is racist.
0: Why is that? Because it's only going <laughs> it to be, be a two by like dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not sentient. Oh, so. Geez. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this all ties to the same adventure. This is the item that is used to cur- ca- to uh manipulate the the Nix uh, Nixapinar uh into defending the area or whatever so do you think uh what do you guys think about the fact that the dominate beast doesn't require concentration and uh lasts until dispelled instead of one hour
2: it is a legendary item at least so the, in that regard that makes sense but it can get out of hand sometimes
0: yeah definitely something to, to to be careful of so yep. uh got any uh comments on this bad boy
2: yeah, well, like I said, you—I you, mean, the fire awesome, and more damage is always nice. So yeah, solid item yeah. all around. I,
0: I love that it extinguishes flames and stuff just by drawing and uh, sheathing it. I mean, that just shows you—it's so legendary. It affects the world around it just by being, you know. Yep. Brandon, do you have anything?
1: Well, I was like the idea that you have the immunity to fire damage.
0: Yeah. So kind of that right That's there. That's definitely strong. I really uh, struggled between the immunity and resistance, but I figured with a legendary item, I can get away with it. Yeah. So, all right, that'll do it for our magic item, the Frostbringer. Our dungeon master tip is a new condition <laughs> called fatigued from Galder's gazetteer. Holy crap! Let's be honest, exhaustion is a potent penalty. Yeah. Galder's gazetteer has a great alternative, a nice area in the middle. The new condition is called fatigued. It's a less harsh penalty than exhaustion, so the GM can more easily inflict this condition multiple times without creating major imbalances, which means character death in most cases. Uh, the rules for this condition can be used along with levels of exhaustion. However, a GM might decide to use fatigue instead of exhaustion for certain game mechanics. For example, a GM might find the use of exhaustion in the path of the Berserker Barbarian's frenzy t- feature too punishing. In this case, the GM can allow the player to suffer fatigue instead. Any effect that removes a level of exhaustion can end the creature's uh, fatigue. Also, finishing a long rest ends this condition. So, what is fatigued? Fatigued creatures suffer a minus two penalty attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. And uh, that use the ability corresponding to that creature's lowest ability score. That is intriguing. Uh, If an already fatigued creature suffers another effect that causes it to become fatigued, it suffers an additional minus two penalty on the attack rolls, uh, ability checks, and saving throws that use the next lowest ability score, and so on, up to all six ability stats. So the last one to be punished is your primary stat that you're most robust in. Um, Ending this condition removes all penalties at once, so... If you're a barbarian, for instance, and your <laughs> intelligence is your dump stat, when you get fatigued, the little bit of brain power you have is going to go right away. <laughs> um, and so I really think that this is a, a really cool mechanic that's kind of uh, in, in between the severity of exhaustion and, uh, you know, more punishing on a lot of the other features. Uh, what do you think, Brandon?
1: I like the the idea, especially the uh, starting from the lowest to the highest mm-hmm. as you get more and more. Yep. But man, minus minus four—that's a lot. Does does that stack continuously? Like yes. does it end up being minus six?
0: But it only it time? affects different ability scores, except for your attack roll definitely uh, changes. So eventually, your attack roll will be so bad, um, you might as well just take the dodge action. <laughs> to be more effective uh mitchell says i'd like to see the effect like fatigued called wounded a character would be affected by this uh status when they take more damage than their con score in one hit that seems like that would be pretty common at higher levels so i think that would that would definitely have to be a little more uh design uh design robust uh ian what do you think about this
2: I think the fact that it's easier to at least get rid of than, say, exhaustion definitely a really nice bonus because exhaustion can definitely be punishing and can stack on itself and escalate very quickly.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of why I included this, because I really think that this is a... Especially for the Frenzy Barbarian, this is a good alternative. Though I've been playing one in the Initiative and Intrigue uh, can't story uh, stream and... It doesn't affect me as much as you would think, considering I frenzy every time I can in combat. <laughs> I like to choke some bitches. Uh, all right. So I th- <laughs> I th- do you have anything to add, Brandon? Uh nope. All right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip, Fatigue by Galders Gazetteer. If you have not picked that up, that book is absolutely amazing. Has variants and rebuilds of many of the core classes, and they are pretty well designed and thoroughly play tested. So consider checking it out. Uh, (laughs) uh, All right, our player tip of the podcast is don't Don't be a a a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by using undead infiltration. So, the wizard animate dead at level 5 cast on a corpse to a zombie or a skeleton. You can now, once you've done this, you can mentally control it as a bonus action. They grow in strength with the undead thralls ability, which is great. And a rogue that has proficiency with disguise kit and can mimic speech that they've heard before. So let's talk about multiclass in our wizard and rogue and taking mastermind. And you can use the help action up to 30 feet. This means you can quite literally dress up a zombie with a disguise kit and use mimic speech and throw your voice. This gives you a walking talking creature to infiltrate locations with no risk or harm to yourself.
2: As long as you're within 30 feet away. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but you can keep your distance. Oh, yeah. That's, I love the idea of using this to sneak your undead zombies into cities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, cause you know, everyone's going to have a negative reaction to you walking into a city with a skeleton walking around behind you. Yep. Um, but the idea of using it like uh, a Jeff Dunham puppet is just glorious. <laughs> 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 like just doing dirt deals and stuff. You could try to do sketchy shit that if they just try to punish you, uh, you just lose a zombie and you go get a new one. What do you guys think? <laughs>
2: there's a lot of versatility uh. that you can do with this and, uh, be for communications, scouting ahead or seeing there's traps of a head even.
0: Yep. And you can, <laughs> and if this thing gets caught in a trap, let's say the rogue normally might, Eh, just get another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got anything to add to this, B?
1: Using it as a beast of burden.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I like Care, Carry my shit for me. That's hilarious. Um, I, once again, the the fact you can throw your voice, you can disguise kit it, means you can even make it look like somebody of import. And if somebody finds out that it's not that person, the risk is minimal. <laughs> Forget one zombie stack, two halfling ones, and a cloak. (laughs) Uh, All right. I think that'll do for our uh, player tip of the podcast. Don't
2: Don't be a dick.
0: And you can can avoid dickitude by trying this undead infiltration. You're going to piss off your DM at some point, I promise. (laughs) Uh, Respecialize in the Arcane uh, Trickster and Bladesinger. That would be interesting. That's a good combo in and of itself. But this certainly uh, um, is a, a theme you would have to ride out. I mean, it, otherwise, it, I mean, it, you're not you don't generally want to build a single build just for shits. That's not true. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I just thought that this would be hilarious and funny, and just be using him for I, like my character. Oh, dude, what if your character just doesn't want to talk to anybody at all? In all of his interactions are done through a zombie. <laughs> Maybe he's afraid, like stage fright uh, or, or shy or something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: he just sits back praying for behind a tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what if the zombie is disguised as like a noble and the wizard that's controlling him is pretends to be the servant just to not draw attention to themselves? Could you imagine doing that and not telling the party? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is so many, so many implications. (laughs) I agree with Garwin. This is definitely going to be quite fun. A zombie mime. All right. That'll do it. Uh, I already did all that. So before we close out today, we have a wonderful gift to give away. Compliments of the old goat Heedley. We are giving away the War Wagon. A large shipment of adamantine armor and weapons must be delivered to Fort Rosnack in a non-stop journey. This will require special attention and something few could ever imagine. The War Wagon, a heavily armored stagecoach built of oak and reinforced with adamantine hardware. Written by Andy the Goat Heedley, The War Wagon is a 5e adventure designed for third-level characters in which the party will be able to either play as the robbers or the defenders of The War Wagon. My a my dynamic, mind. fast-paced, and mobile adventure which will thrill your players, I promise. I had so much fun reading through this. I am so happy that he gave, uh, gave us the opportunity to give it away. Brandon, who's our winner today? That sounds like fun.
1: Our winner today is Nick Dolbow. Yes. Nick Dolbowie. Nick D-L-E Bowie.
0: If you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win.
1: If you enjoy the show and want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media and leave us a review, preferably five-star reviews, because that helps us the most. <laughs> yes,
0: uh, on Spotify, you can leave reviews now. So if you've got the mobile app, Spotify, uh, please leave us a review. Push us to the top of the charts. Let others find us and grow our community. So all this work is not for naught. So. Um, also, once again, uh clash of classes. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Please provide feedback. Um, this is a new thing for us that we're experimenting with and everyone seems to love it. So we want to do even better. Keep an eye out on social media and all that jazz for all the special, you know, um details that'll be coming out. We'll ask we'll put up polls and stuff uh in regards to that to try to optimize the process as we kind of stumble through this. But uh with that, I am your host, Justin.
2: I'm your host, Ian.
0: I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Let us move on to our honor tips and tricks where we bring you new and reusable material for you to bring with you. Damn it. (laughs) On your next adventure.